Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. A quick question, Jim, about AI. Are you mostly excited about the rapid growth of artificial intelligence and all the changes it will bring or scared by it? A little bit of both, actually. I don't have my usual rock-solid opinion on this one. Our guest is Kai-Fu Lee on the promise and challenge of the AI revolution. AI will be able to do these jobs better and cheaper, not just cheaper, but almost for free, dramatically saving the cost, dramatically improving the output, revenue, profits of the companies that adopt it. But the downside is that half the people in the next 15, 20 years may lose their jobs because they they will have been displaced by the artificial intelligence. Our show is about fixes. Yeah, how to make the world a better place. How How do do we we fix fix it? it? How do we fix it? We're not alarmist on how do we fix it. Oh, no. But there's no doubt that artificial intelligence will lead to sweeping changes in our economy and society. And these changes may be far more profound than new technology or simply changes in the workforce. AI will challenge how we see our relationship to the meaning of work and and indeed to each other. So strap on your mental seatbelt and get ready. Kai-Fu Lee is our guest. There are very few people on the planet that know more about artificial intelligence. He was a leading AI researcher in the U.S. He's worked for Apple. He's worked for Google. He runs a venture capital firm in China today. And he's the author of the new book, AI Superpowers, China, Silicon Valley, and the New World Order. Kai-Fu Lee joins us via Skype on a somewhat shaky line from Chicago. Um, the, the audio quality is not perfect, but he has a lot of interesting things to say. So welcome to How Do We Fix It? Uh, thank you. You say that the artificial intelligence revolution will be of the magnitude of the industrial revolution, but probably larger and definitely faster. Why? Basically, we will that not have to do routine jobs anymore. AI will take over in the next 15 to 20 years all the routine jobs that we have and will work um, efficiently, essentially for free, and 24 by 7 with no complaints. And uh, it will be one task at a time for the routine jobs. So that is a huge uh, boost to our productivity, but also poses some challenges. Can you explain uh, for people who aren't really fully immersed in the topic um, what is what is meant by deep learning? 
Sure. Deep learning is the one huge breakthrough in artificial intelligence that can learn things by itself. It can learn to recognize faces, uh, recognize speech. It can learn to recognize patterns. It can do smart customer service, telemarketing. It can also do blue-collar work such as dishwashing, uh, fruit picking, assembly line work. It can learn to discern people who are worthy of credit versus those who might default. And in that case, is is the machine learning at a better pace, for instance, than someone whose job it is at a bank to decide whether or not to give a loan? Oh, it's not just better. It's、uh, dramatically better because it can make decisions within a second, whereas a loan officer would take a much longer, and it can.、Um, Use all kinds of、uh, knowledge about the individual beyond the usual loan application, and all of those knowledge of the individual. Let's say what、um, they have done on the internet, what they uploaded in terms of their contact list, their friends,、uh, the type of phone they use, the applications they use. All of these things contribute. To making a more precise decision by factoring in three thousand things about an individual, whereas a loan application might only have twenty things. So, an artificial intelligence could wipe out huge numbers of jobs. What are some of the impacts? Okay, so it's not wiping out all of the jobs, the routine jobs, the jobs that are repeatedly processing data for the white collar jobs. And the, the routine jobs that are repeatedly doing the same thing over and over again in blue-collar jobs. But yes,、um, together they comprise、uh, perhaps half of our jobs over the next 15 to 20 years.、Uh, technically, AI will be able to do these jobs better and cheaper—not just cheaper, but almost for free. Dramatically saving the cost, dramatically improving the output, revenue, profits of the companies that adopt it. But the downside is that half the people in the next fifteen twenty years may lose their jobs because they they will have been displaced by the artificial intelligence. In your book, you tell a story about a time when your thinking about the relationships between people and their work really really changed. It's when you received a very serious diagnosis of cancer. Oh,、uh, sure. When I was diagnosed with a fourth stage lymphoma about five years ago, and I have been a workaholic up till that point, and in facing possible death in a matter of months,、uh, working harder, achieving more wealth and fame was completely unimportant to me. In your recent TED lecture, you you have this really very compelling example of how you missed、uh, the birth of a child. Yeah, I was. About to make a big AI presentation to my CEO, and in trading off whether I、uh, witness the birth of my child or go to the presentation,、uh, mentally I opted for the for the latter because I felt that would be the very important thing for for my career and、uh, for my success. But now, I, in looking back, it was a very silly decision because the birth of a child, you know, happens only once, and presentations to CEOs can happen anytime. How does your personal experience impact the way that you view、um, how artificial intelligence (AI) will affect society and and our relationship with work? Well, I think it's in realizing that work isn't the center of everything. 
and it's that our love and compassion that makes life worthwhile that causes me to rethink suppose work was taken away by uh, ai for half the people um maybe in some sense it's actually good for the people so that they can do non-routine tasks tasks that um uh, contribute to more love and compassion in the world and also happen to have economic value because in thinking about what AI cannot do, it's very clear that we are unique from AI in the sense that we can love, we have compassion, empathy, and many, many jobs actually require that. AI cannot do the job of a nurse or a nanny or elderly care or a teacher or a doctor. These jobs require human interaction. There are social jobs that require compassion and empathy. So, so many people who look at this issue, they look at the jobs that are going to disappear. But you're also looking at how AI can create new types of jobs. And one of your examples comes from the field of medicine. Uh, yes. Uh, medicine is a perfect example because I think in the next 20 or 30 years, AI will make better doctors than people in terms of pure diagnosis and prescription. Uh, however, being a doctor isn't just about uh, finding out what the patient has and giving appropriate uh, treatment. Uh, I have been a patient myself. I know how patients are vulnerable. Patients need not only treatment, but also a lot of warmth and care and uh, giving confidence that they can overcome whatever disease they have. Uh, I also think patients really want someone to talk to, uh, someone to vent, someone to describe all their symptoms. So the perfect symbiosis would be that the doctor would talk to the patient, understand all these things, and give patient the confidence and the comfort, but also solicit all the information needed for the AI to make a determination. Your current job is as chairman and CEO of Sinovation Ventures, an investment firm that's helping to develop Chinese high-tech companies. Has China caught up with the U.S. on developing and inventing new methods of artificial intelligence? Uh, U.S. is way ahead of China in the inventing part, but China has caught up in the implementation part. A lot of people look at this uh, competition between China and the U.S. as kind of a zero-sum game. How do you see it? Uh, yes. Actually, I wrote, started writing this book, AI Superpowers, about a year ago. Uh, back then, I think U.S.-China relations were different from what they are today. Uh, my hope then and still now in writing the book is that U.S. and China have complementary skill sets. U.S. is stronger in research and technology and depth. China is faster with implementation and has more data. And the two together, there can be a lot of cross-U.S.-China uh, companies being built with uh, investors from both sides benefiting from using the best of both worlds. What are, what are China's advantages, though, over the U.S.? Uh, I think the biggest advantage is a large market and therefore more data. Because, as I mentioned, AI is trained on large amounts of data. The more data, the better the AI. So China has just more people, and each person uses the mobile Internet more and therefore has more data co being contributed to the applications. Uh, secondly, China has very tenacious entrepreneurs who iterate 
very quickly and who work extremely hard, much harder than their American counterparts. It's How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davis. And I'm Jim Meggs. And we'll be talking about solutions coming up. In terms of solutions, in terms of getting to this optimistic future that you see, despite the huge cultural changes, what are some steps that, that you think are particularly important? Well, I think the biggest issue is, um, has to do with retraining. Um, people coming off of um, AI-displaced routine jobs really need to be retrained in jobs that AI cannot displace. And those might be jobs that require a high degree of creativity or dexterity. Uh, but most importantly, these are social jobs. Fewer people should choose to go into training for assembly line jobs, for telemarketing jobs, for dishwashing jobs, and more of them should go for the social jobs. Yes, so but, that but, means... but, but how, how can we make those social jobs, those, those caretaker jobs, those home health care aid jobs, more valuable? Well, the jobs are open. Uh, not enough people apply for them. And, and I think um, measures that either uh, help subsidize the pay or recognize the value they contribute or maybe government subsidies um, and, and career paths. And I think also the general social recognition that these jobs are important, uh, that needs to shift. Uh, maybe, for example, government could more, give more fundings to hospitals and elderly homes so that they can pay more. And there needs to be career paths for them. There needs to be role model for them. And, and there are many types. They're not just elderly care, like um, concierge, tourist guide, uh, beauty consultant, wedding planner. Pretty much any job that requires human interaction is going to stay. Um, I think throughout education, there needs to be more emphasis on improving the human-human interaction skills um, as opposed to just the rote learning and uh, doing routine jobs. You're not advocating that we simply give everybody a universal basic income uh, no, I think uh, universal basic income only addresses the loss of income, but not the loss of meaning. Um, there are many jobs that need to be taken. And if you just give people money, uh, some people will be depressed because they've, they've lost the, uh, the, the one thing that was valuable to them, uh, their jobs. And there will also be people who will um, use it for substance abuse use gambling, uh, they might fall into depression. Uh, there's a lot of data that shows people who are used to having a job, when they lose their job, um, their rates of uh, depression, suicide, substance abuse, all goes up. So treating this as a um, social welfare, give them money and they don't have to work, is not a viable solution. Um, I think as much as I've realized working is not the most essential part of our lives, many people are going to be unable to let that go. So I think helping people move on to jobs that they can um, feel a high degree of satisfaction. I really believe, you know, someone engaged in elderly care will feel more warmth in their heart than someone, let's say, on an assembly line. Because at the end of the day, they know they've helped someone, they see the smile and the happiness in the face of the people that they've helped. Kai-Fu Lee, thank you very much for joining us on How Do We Fix It? Thanks very much. Wow. I am certainly more scared 
about the impact of artificial intelligence and our lack of ability to deal with these sweeping changes than I was before encountering Kai-Fu Lee. Uh, if you remember, we had, a, we had a show last year with Peter Capelli of the Wharton School, and he was suggesting that the impact of artificial intelligence and robot technology has been overestimated. But after listening to Kai-Fu, I'm not at all sure he's right. I, I think they're closer than you think. Because he's saying that artificial intelligence has the potential to technologically replace 40 or 50% of jobs in, in 15 years or so. That doesn't mean it will eliminate those jobs. He, he's really, towards the end, he gets to a much more optimistic take that it will change the fields dramatically. You know, as he said, you could have a very different kind of healthcare system where the diagnosis and prescription is handled by technology, but there are actually more people involved in working with patients and interacting with them. And that certainly happened with other technological changes. So, boy, I, I hope you're right. Right. I mean, I mean that we don't talk. We always talk about what uh, change will mean in terms of getting rid of jobs, but it's hard to imagine all the kinds of new jobs that will be created as a result of that exactly. change. Exactly. We, we always see these things negatively about what's being taken away. We don't see what's being added back. You know, who, who would have thought that there'd be jobs like, you know, video game <laughs> designer 40 years ago. Uh, new technologies bring new types of creativity. I think if it goes the way we hope, it'll mean that more jobs are more interesting. They're less rote. They're less repetitive. The real challenge is how fast does it all happen? If it happens really fast, then yes, that leads to more disruption. Uh, if it if it's a little more gradual, then maybe we have more time to evolve through it. I think that has a lot to do with, with the progress or lack of progress of the economy. What we saw after the 2008 uh, ec economic and financial uh, disaster was that huge numbers of companies changed their working culture and uh, laid off a lot of people and realized they could do without them because of technology. Right. But... Today, we have the lowest unemployment we've had in, in decades. So people are working, and the, uh, the idea that jobs that are lost never come back isn't always true. I, I agree with part of what you're saying, but we have the lowest official unemployment rate in decades. What we do not have is the highest workforce participation okay, rate. Point. There are a lot of people who simply gave up looking for jobs. You know, I think the biggest challenges from AI aren't necessarily going to be in terms of, you know, will it reduce jobs for truck drivers? It's will it create a kind of matrix-like uh, data world in which Every little thing about you is known and could be known not just to massive corporations, but conceivably to the government. Certainly, if you look at the way China's evolving here, this is a real worrisome factor. When almost everything people do goes through the WeChat app, you know, if the government wanted to mine that to find out who are the dissidents, who are the troublemakers, who do we want to whose opinions do we want to shut down? And, and we've certainly seen that with the, with the extraordinary crackdown on Muslim Uyghurs in yeah. uh, western parts of China. Very disturbing what's been, how technology has been used and, to, and, to, to round people up. Right, and you know, when there's universal facial recognition, you can't go anywhere without people, with someone knowing exactly where you are. Which is why we've done a bunch of shows already about the impact of technology through drones, through uh, medical data, 
Data with Dr. Joe Habush, and mm. also uh, on Robots with Peter Capelli, and also where we need to do a lot more. Jim, there's one thing I want to put to you, and, and that is one of the biggest challenges of AI, to me, has to do with love. Uh, machines will never replace the human heart. And Kai-Fu Lee makes this point very strongly. He says they have no self-awareness, conscience, or heart. And if we're going to live up to the challenge of, of AI, uh, we have to live in a society where there's more emphasis on kindness and sharing and love, where service jobs that currently, you know, you can make $22,000 a year as a home health care aide, they have to be valued more. I mean, I, I think that this is more than just uh, about privacy and about a challenge to our economy. I think it's a challenge to how we regard each other in community. Yeah, I hope that the solution to this isn't just more home health care aides. I got to say, I mean, that to me is not the most optimistic interpretation of uh, of this, this data. But I do think that opening up more space in people's lives and in the economy for interactions that have a creative element or a human element and that aren't just the rote processing of some kind of data. It's How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Jim Meggs. Thanks for joining us. As always, our producer is Miranda Schaefer, and we are a production of Davies Content. We make digital audio for companies and nonprofits. Check us out at our website, DaviesContent.com. Here endeth the commercial and the show. Thanks for listening. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.